Well, this morning we're going to begin a series that, uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I feel like this is what God wants, but I must tell you I struggled because honestly this is university Christianity. And uh, in some cases, uh, there are people that are new in the faith, and you're going to have to really uh, pray and uh, lean on the Holy Spirit, because this is uh, deep stuff. For those of you that are uh, seasoned Christians, but are kind of just maybe had a struggle uh, getting to the next level, uh, you're going to have to, you're going to have to dust off some of those spiritual muscles and uh, really listen. I do believe, and as I'll say in a few moments, uh, I'm not especially trying to solve anything by this message, which is not my nature. I'm kind of a fixer, kind of the kind of guy I am. And uh, I just, as I've been going through these scriptures, all I can just do is step back and just celebrate the amazing sovereignty of God. And so that's what we're going to talk about, because we're going to talk about the fact of evil. And I struggled with even calling this message the role of evil. But I at least stepped back from that because I knew that that might be misunderstood, that evil has a role. Well, uh, listen closely. Over the last decade or so, it appears to me, and I think many people would agree with me, that there are just more natural disasters than ever before in America and really worldwide. I mean, uh, a tsunami a few years ago that killed hundreds of thousands in Southeast Asia. Uh, Here in America, the devastating effects of, of course, 9-11, the the hurricane at Katrina, of course, just over the last few months here with uh, the flooding and great hurricanes. And then, of course, what we're, cel- what we're seeing here is just unprecedented wildfires, uh, the most uh, loss uh, of life in, Amer- in California history. And it's, I mean, there's just no stopping that thing. I mean, no human's going to stop that fire. You know, no fire truck, no, uh, no helicopter, no, you know, thousands of people working day and night. I mean, unless God Almighty stops that thing. It's going to burn all the way to New York. And uh, somehow, some way, God's just going to have to stop that. These kind of things, in addition to so many tragic uh, stories of people, just on personal side, not only, of course, on a, uh, a corporate side or a national side, but just on a personal side, so many people so hurting. And I believe it has attested our vision of God, who He is, and His relationship to suffering. Now, I probably should take uh, the, the church today, and I don't want to excuse ourselves as well. I, I think that sometimes the modern church is choosing, for whatever reason, to become shallow and to become light, and I think simply to become content with maybe just trivial thoughts about an almighty God. But I assert to you this morning, no matter how crazy things seem, no matter how just out of whack and how unbelievable devastation things are happening. God is supreme in all things. God has got authority. He has power. He is good. And God is in control. Our God and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. God is supreme. 
Now, my prayer for this series, and really, as I've gone through it, I realize it's going to need to be more than just one service, and so the Lord willing, we'll take three services, and we're going to talk about uh, what God is supreme over. As I mentioned, I don't know that I'm here to solve anything, but just simply to celebrate the sovereignty of God, and I'm so glad you're here. I believe that this uh, series will be an epic series. I believe that for those of you that uh, are so concerned about these kind of things, you're going to get some depth of understanding that is going to help you the rest of your life. And I look forward to that. God is great. God is an unbelievable God. And God is still doing miracles for sure. Speaking of miracles uh, and uh, God answering prayer, there was an old country boy went to the pastor and he was just having a real tough time and the pastor asked him, what's wrong, Bubba? I need you to pray for my hearing, said Bubba. The pastor put his hands on Bubba's ears and prayed and when he was done, he asked, how's your hearing? I don't know. It ain't till next Tuesday. And uh, there you go. Sorry, that's a little groaner there, but... uh, you know, God, God is a great God, and He certainly answers prayer. Let's all bow forward to prayer. Father, we do thank You that You do fix hearings, Lord, both uh, judicial and physical. Lord, would You just work in our midst today? Oh, Spirit of God, change us. Lord, help us to behold Your face and Your greatness. Help us to step back, Lord, and get a new perspective about all these things. Deepen our worship. Lord, I pray that you'll make us a new people as a result of this time together. In Christ's name, amen. We're going to talk this morning about all the things that God is supreme over. The fact is, we are humans, and because we're humans, we live with pain and loss. There are people that are right here today, right now, who have been given a notice by the medical world that you are dying. Of course, uh, the fact is that could, notice could be given to each one of us, couldn't it? But we are. Some are, it would appear to be sooner than others. There are others who have loved ones who are dying. There are people who come to this building who are in absolute chronic pain. And some that are sitting here right now just trying to get hold of God, and yet their body is in so much pain. There are people around the globe today that are being hurt. There are so many devastating things. There are people who are crying their eyes out because they lost a loved one or a child, a Christian family down in L.A., a mother of six or seven children uh, killed by a head-on, after church, killed by a head-on collision by a drunk driver, just all over this world, just devastating things. And yet God is sovereign. Not only is God sovereign, and not only can he govern all things, but he does oversee all things. God oversees everything for his own wise and glorious purposes. And that really would be the thesis for these three weeks, is that God is sovereign. He oversees everything. He's supreme. When 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 we say, and that's a theological term, God is sovereign or the sovereignty of God, but when we say that, we're just simply saying, as king, he is supreme. He's supreme over everything and everyone. 
So let's find out what he is supreme over. First of all, he is supreme over all dominion. He is supreme over all dominion, whether it be national or whether it be sports or whether it be a personal business, it makes no difference. God is supreme over all dominion. Now, nobody can deny that Satan has a level of domination in the world today. Sometimes in the Bible, he is called, for example, in John chapter 12 and verse 31. John 12, verse 31, it says, the prince or ruler of this world. What does that verse say? He, God said that Satan is the prince or the ruler of this world. And how many would testify to the fact that when you look around you, you would have to testify that in fact, Satan is sure ruling a lot of things. Would you say amen to that? I mean, that's a fact. That is absolutely, we know that to be true. He is the ruler of this world. In Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle Paul wrote these amazing words. According, this world is functioning according to the prince of the power of the air. He's working in the air. And as we'll see in a little bit, I believe that's not only uh, spiritually speaking, I believe that's actually physically speaking. He is working in the air, the spirit that now worketh. He didn't used to work, or he's not going to work, although we read the book of Revelation, we know he's going to work. We look through the past, we know he has worked, but he is now working. He is working effectively, and he is working powerfully in the children of disobedience. People who disobey become puppets, really, of the devil. They just, anybody who disobeys the Bible, frankly, whether we're saved or not, whether we're believers or not, every time we disobey, we become a puppet of the prince and the power of this air. He is working in, inside the mind and inside the spirit of a person of disobedience. In another passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says the God of this world, God, he's a God, he is, he's a God. He is not almighty God, he is not part of the Trinity, but he is a little g God, he is God. And he's the God of this world. He has his sway. Ever since the Garden of Eden, he has been blinding minds of everyone. No, just of those who believe not. If you're not a believer, then you're blinded. If you're a believer, you see things. Your eyes, your spiritual eyes are opened. He blinds. Now, by divine permission, people who disobey the word, people who don't believe the word are blinded. They're blinded with ignorance. They're blinded with error. They're blinded by prejudice. The most prejudiced people in this world are the people who say they're not prejudiced. They are the most prejudiced people. If you're an unbeliever and you claim to be not prejudiced, I will tell you, you are totally prejudiced because the Bible says you are mind is blinded. You don't even know the things and the goes on in your mind. Why does Satan blind the mind? Look at the last part of that verse lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan is doing everything he can to keep the gospel out of the world. 
But if he can't keep it out of the nations, if he can't keep it out of families, if he can't keep it out of churches, he will at least try to keep it out of the hearts of people. And how does he do that? He does that by working on the mind. That means that we should take Satan very seriously. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 5, Jesus had an interaction with the devil, and the devil taking him up into a high mountain. And I would say that I don't know that he took him physically, but I think the sense is he went with him to this high mountain. And I would suggest that wherever we go, Satan is not too far away. He's showing, you'd say, well, this devil's chasing me, probably because you're doing something right. Um, Jesus is doing something right. And the devil took him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kings of the world in a moment of time. He has some kind of ability. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. What? And he, Jesus didn't, by the way, Jesus didn't correct Satan. It was, I have the power. It has been delivered unto me. That was delivered in the Garden of Eden. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. Satan's claim was this. He has the power to give authority to any person, to any kingdom. He can take one nation and make it great. He can take another nation and put it down. He can take one ruler and one leader and put them down. He can take another one and put them in office. Is that true? I would say that that is a half-truth. It is a fact that there's no doubt that he plays havoc in the world today. It is Satan who is maneuvering behind the scenes in those unbelievers in Iran. It is Satan who is working in those, the Hamas and uh, Al-Qaeda and ISIS and others. It, no doubt that it is Satan who is blinding their minds and telling them that they are even perhaps doing a good thing for a good cause. It is Satan who is talking to Kim Jong-un and his murderous power and willing, like he did in the 90s, to allow two million North Koreans to die of starvation so that they could make sure they had nuclear weapons. Now, who in the, what, those precious people watching their children die and starve to death all because of this this uh, power-crazed man. Satan has power. He can put up one leader and he can put down another, but all of that is, with, is overseen by God. And notice what it says in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel, for one, made that very clear. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. He changeth the times, and he changes the seasons and removes kings and setteth up kings. Satan may have a hand in it, but it is God who is ultimately in charge. It is always under the coercion of God. You'd say times are changing. Well, that's exactly what this verse says, the changing of times. Who is in charge of the changing times? Satan or God? God's in charge. Does Satan have a hand in it? Absolutely. But it is God who is in charge. He's the one who puts in presidents into power. He's the one who makes one candidate lose. He ultimately is the one that does that because no change comes to pass without God doing it. 
Daniel said it very correctly. He said, it's God who's in charge of kings and change and all the things that are happening. It's God's in, cha- in charge. And that's what Solomon reiterated in Psalms, excuse me, in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1. It says, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. This verse, I think, is a classic verse, which explains how God can work without changing the essence of the water. God doesn't change the water. He didn't make it into something else. He allowed the water to be water, but he puts a rock in the way or a little block in the way, and that water comes down and then just does what water does, follows the path of least resistance, and then goes to this way. And then he puts another blockade there and goes this way. And so God can retain the uh, integrity of water's free will, and yet at the same time be a sovereign God. What God says is that evil leaders and evil people may rise up. They may even set themselves against the very God who oversees all of it. But God says he, he just, he, he rules it all. In fact, in Psalm chapter two, you got to laugh with God. In Psalm chapter two, verse two, it says the kings of the earth set themselves. They make all their statements. They get on Twitter. They do whatever. They even take counsel together. They meet in their United Nations. They meet against the Lord and against his anointed. And there is an absolute anti-Christian hatred in this world. And it says they set themselves up and they're going to make sure, like in China, what I didn't say about that church there is that it was a government-approved church and they have video cameras watching everybody. And so I guess as long as the church doesn't uh, talk bad about the Communist Party, they allow them to you know, do their thing there. But you know... The world is watching, and they, they're going to set up their ideas, and they're going to make sure that nothing else happens. But notice what it says in verse 4. It says that he that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. God laughs at him, and he said, how absolutely ridiculous it is for any human to think that they can set up anything without God. Now, you say, well, what is our response to be? Well, obviously, When someone is suffering, our response is always compassion. It's always mercy. It's always prayer. We always ought to do all that we can to help. We should do everything that we can to help these fire victims. And we should do everything we can to help those who are struggling around the world within our particular power. We should do all we can. And yet, at the same time, we live with the unbelievable and wonderful confidence that God is sovereign over all nations. God is sovereign over all leaders. And he is sovereign under, over all the satanic power that is behind them. God is supreme over all dominion. Can you figure all that out? No, that's what I was saying. Honestly, I don't know that I can figure any of that out. But I can celebrate the fact that our God is a supreme God. I can celebrate that he is over it all and somehow he works it all together and God laughs at anybody thinking that that somehow they're going to keep the rapture from happening and people mock all that. And I'll tell you one thing, they can laugh all they want to. Someday they're not going to be laughing. You'd say, how does it work? Maybe here's an illustration. I'm sure it's a poor illustration, but here's one thought. There's a cruise ship that is uh, docked in 
Miami. This is just a fanciful story. A cruise ship is docked in Miami and thousands of uh, partygoers and excited uh, vacationers uh, board the cruise ship. Along with them, there are hundreds of support staff and there is a captain of the ship and there's all kinds of people. And so this ship uh, leaves from Miami. It is headed to the Bahamas. Boy, they're having a great time. Now, the course is set. The destination is set. Nobody is getting off that ship. Nobody changes the mind of the cruise lines. Nobody changes the mind of the captain. And yet, while they're on that ship, they all have freedom. They can eat all they want. They can drink all they want. They can play all they want. They can go to shows. They can sit in their room. They can bask themselves on a uh, sunny deck there, whatever the, they want to do. They have the absolute free will to do anything they want inside the ship. And yet unknown to them, they're going to their destination. I mean, God is controlling that ship as it were. He's taking them to that point. He's getting them there. And yet within that ship, they have free will. Now, does always just good things happen? No, not always because there's humans on that ship. And when you have humans, not every good thing, things that are perfect don't always happen. Sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes people get robbed. Sometimes there's misunderstandings and arguments. There's, you know, rude and obnoxious people on those ships. I mean, the fact is, that is a microcosm of what we're talking about here. The fact is, while we're here, the cruise ship of God's sovereign design is steady. God is not going to go off course. I promise you, he's got that ship headed and it's going to get there. Nobody's going to stop God's ship. But while we're on that ship, people within the ship can do whatever they want. And that's what happens in this world. There's all kinds of things that happen. And yet God is supreme over it all. While he allows people the free will to make choices, bad choices, good choices, he still is overseeing everything. And folks, trust me, we are headed to that place that God wants the human race to go to. And there's coming a day when God's going to say, come out of here, and we're going to go up with him. And so I say, God is supreme over all dominion. He is not only supreme over all dominion, but he's just supreme over all disasters. Hurricanes, earthquakes, blistering heat, drought, unprecedented drought, floods, wildfires. Can Satan actually have a hand in these things? Can Satan actually cause fires? Can he actually cause hurricanes or floods? Well, let's look back to a time in Scripture where God gives us an answer. We're not going to just conjecture. Let's let God speak for himself. Let's go to Job chapter 1, if you would, please. Job chapter 1 and verse 11. You know the story of Job. This amazing godly man had to be God's test case for his sovereignty. God and Satan are having a meeting in heaven, as it were. Verse 11 of chapter 1, but put forth thine hand now. Touch all that he hath. Here's Satan speaking about Job. And he will curse you to thy face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he had is in thy power. Only upon himself put not thine, forth thine hand. And so here we see, by the way, a beautiful picture of God's permission. 
Satan is the God of this world. God is over the God of this world. The God we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ, is over Satan. Here he allows Satan then to have power. And we're going to see what kind of power he has. Personal atrocities like disease and uh, crime, natural disaster. Look at verse 16. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God is falling from heaven, probably lightning, and hath burned up ship, the sheep, excuse me, and the servants. Here we find the devil aiming to make Job doubt God. He tried to do his best to get Job to renounce his faith. He was doing his best to get Job to just say, God, you're a bad God. I don't want you anymore. And so he actually is able to control the lightning. How Satan can control lightning, I have no idea. But I know that it's very possible. Verse 18 and 19. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking. They were in their elder brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness. A hurricane. A hurricane here in Israel. And smote the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young men. And they are dead. Satan has the power to unleash a hurricane. Now, we know God has that power. We can read later in the book of Job. We read throughout the Psalms. We read other places that God certainly has the power to cause earthquakes. He has the power. I mean, God has all those kind of powers. But he allows Satan at least a certain amount of power. He basically keeps Satan on a leash. And sometimes he reels that leash in. Sometimes he let that leash out a little bit, but the fact is he lets Satan have his sway within reason or within his sovereign will. Then verse 21 of the same chapter, what did Job do? First of all, he was very sad. You'd say, well, if God is over everything, then should I be sad? Sure. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be sad. We wouldn't be human beings if we didn't have emotions. I mean, you can't have a hurricane or a fire. You can't lose a loved one and just simply say God is sovereign. No, I mean, it hurts us. It breaks us. We're devastated. It's terrible. It's so hard. And yet at the same time, there is this underpinning that says God is in control. I don't know how to say it, but God is in control. In verse 21, the Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Folks, that is recorded, written scripture. Job gave us this amazing, wonderful theological sense of the sovereignty of God. God gives, God takes away. He may even use Satan to take it away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. It didn't say Job just sat there and said, man, this is so good. All my kids died and I just praising God for his wonderful sovereignty. No, he was devastated. He was weeping. He was so upset. And yet at the same time, through his tears, he was just simply saying, God, you're sovereign. You're so great. And I can't explain that. And I'm certainly not a good example of it, but I will tell you, I think I've had a little sense of that feeling when Elizabeth on her 20th birthday, I think it was, on the very day of her birthday, when our family was gathered together for, to, for a party for her, her and I went to the doctor to, about a lump 
on her neck that had just gotten large and had stayed there for several months. When the doctor came back and said those devastating words, she has cancer. It is uh, life-threatening. We need to do something. And I just remember just sitting there looking at him thinking, this, I mean, she's too young. She's just a young little precious life. And she's had such a rough start already. Really? And just, but at the same time when we got home, I can still just remember those feelings of just, God, I don't know how I feel this, but I don't know that I've ever felt so much love for you. I just, I, I can't explain it. I can't say that I'm some kind of great Christian. All I know is that's how I felt. All I know is that moment I was just feeling so in love with my God. I guess maybe it's because I knew that's all I had. Because unless God chooses to anoint the medicine or whatever procedure or whatever we chose to do, if, unless that was the case, she was going to be taken home way before her time. That's what Job found security in. He looked past the wind and the hurricane and the lightning. He looked straight past it and he looked straight into the face of God and said something like, you know what? I really don't understand you, but I trust you and I love you and I worship you. And you are a holy God. You're a wise God. You're an amazing God. And I still think you're all that. That's what he said about God. Satan is real. Satan is terrible. His designs are hateful. He destroys marriages. He ruins families. He rips up so many and tears up so many lives. And yet somehow through it all, God is sovereign. And that's what Job said. He said, the Lord gave, the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If Satan can use the wind and if he can use lightning, can he actually cause disease? Oh, yes. He has his hand in all kinds of animals or insects and even microscopic organisms, I'm sure. In Exodus chapter 8, we've been going through the book of Exodus on Sunday nights. We've had such a great time. And if you've ever wanted to come just hear verse by verse preaching, you'll enjoy it. It's not long, but it's it's just so fun to go through Scripture verse by verse. But in Exodus chapter 8, verse 17, Aaron was told to stretch out his rod and there would lice come. The dust would turn into lice. <laughs> and it did. And the magicians of Pharaoh said, we can do that. And they came, verse 18, and they did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. But they could not. Here we see in these verses that Prior to this, they had had power. Satan somehow had given them power or whatever. But they had power, probably given by Satan, but it was limited. God's power is greater than all power. God is over disease. God is over organisms. God is over animals. In Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. What? The Lord did that. The Lord knows whale language or whatever fish it was, he spoke to that whale and he spoke to him and he said, go on over there and pick up this backslidden preacher. That whale picked him up and had an upset stomach for three days. And, uh, and then he finally puked him out. And uh, that's about the best thing for a backslidden preacher right there. And, uh, but the Lord spoke to the fish and the fish heard the Lord. One day Jesus was 
needing some money, and God spoke to some fish and said, go swallow a coin. And then he spoke to his disciples and said, go over there, and I want you to catch the fish. And in the fish's mouth was a coin. God is in control of every fish. He's in control of every animal. God is over all those things. In Genesis chapter 3, we have the great story of the curse. And the earth is cursed. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. I will tell you this word, this earth is amazing. It is beautiful. And as beautiful as it is, one can only imagine what it must have been like before the curse came. You look at those beautiful flowers like the rose. Some of those roses, I, someone gave my wife some roses. Not a guy, okay, but anyway. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd smash him, boy, I'd say, oh, <laughs> And he'd be, he'd be dead meat for sure. And, uh, but uh, she, someone gave her some roses. And I mean, those things were huge. I don't, I've never seen roses so big. And uh, somehow they have genetically altered those things. Didn't have a thorn on it. I thought, man, how in the world they do that? But the fact is, if you don't, you have to, they're hybrids. They don't reproduce. They just genetically do something to them. But you know, the rose is beautiful, but it has a curse on it. It's a, this world is a cursed world. God has done so many things, and as a result of that, we have to fix it or try to fix it. People, the doctors, you know, say, well, you know, we have to work on these bodies. You're not really a doctor. You're a curse corrector. That's what you are. Your job is to try to Try to get the body back to what it should have been before the curse. And I mean, before the curse, you know, you just walk all day long, you know. And now after a few hours, boy, you get tired. And, and so, you, you know, we have all these curse correctors. I wear braces. I take Advil. I mean, you, LSD, you know, I take it all. And uh, so that's why, that's why I'm so happy. But... Uh, Say, why, why do you do all that? Because th those are just curse correctors. That's all they are. I mean, that's, every doctor is a, every, is a curse corrector. Every contractor, thank God for the curse, because you have a job. And uh, you have to go fix dry rot, you know. You're just a curse corrector. That's all. You're not a contractor. You're a curse corrector. And that's what we all are. I mean, everything we do is just kind of messing with the curse. And just have to try to fix it, try to deal with it, and... God is, God allows all this, God allowed Satan to just do all this to this world. And Satan just, boy, I'm telling you what, he just, he messed with this world. He messes with all the stuff that's going on. And yet all of it, we see the mighty power of God. Isaac Watts, the hymn writer said it best. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise that spread the flowering seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day, the moon that shines full at his command and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord who filled the earth with food, who formed the creatures through the word then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed where'er I turn my eye. If I survey the ground I tread or gaze upon the sky, there's not a plant or flower below, but that makes thy glories known. 
And the clouds arise and tempests blow by order from thy throne, while all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that we can be, thou, God, art present there. Isaac Watts said, look at this world, look at it all, look at the good, look at the bad, and yet through it all, I see the sovereignty of God. Through it all, I celebrate and worship His sovereignty, and that's what I'm saying here this morning. God is supreme over all dominion. He is supreme over all disaster. And finally this morning, He is supreme over all discrimination, prejudice, and hatred, and intolerance, and Anti-Christian bias is an all-time high around this world, even in America. You can be anything but a Christian in America. I'll tell you one thing, don't brag about that. I mean, it's just a crazy world now. But has God forgotten us? Do these Christians that suffer around the world, those that are being hurt and beheaded and pillaged and ravaged, do these Christians suffer? persecution apart from the sovereign will of God? No. God has always watched over his people and he allows persecution for whatever reason. First Peter chapter three, listen to Peter's answer when he was trying to explain why persecution comes. First Peter chapter three and verse 17, he said, it is better. Hard for me to get my head around that one, but it is better. I don't understand it. Don't even try to understand it, frankly. But it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. God said, it's sometimes the will of God that you suffer, and you suffer for doing good. You're in the perfect will of God because you are suffering. Now, does that mean that Satan is able to do whatever he wants? No, there, whatever reason, they're with, still within the bounds of God. The persecutor does not have the last voice God does. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 3, I, see, I think we see this graphically illustrated in the last few hours of Jesus' earthly life. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 3, it says, Satan entered into Judas. He was not a saved man. Judas was lost. He died and went to hell, committed a devilish suicide. Judas Iscariot being a number of the 12, but he was, uh, he was a church member. Jesus spoke into that situation, one of the most sovereign words he ever spoke when he declared for those that came to arrest him. Look at verse 52. He said, then Jesus said to the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which came against him, be ye come out against a thief with swords and staves? I've never stolen from anybody. Everything I've ever done. Verse 53, when I was in the temple with you daily, I you didn't do anything with me thou against me, but this is your hour. This is your time. And the power of darkness is now. Jesus simply said, you know what? You couldn't touch me until it was God's will. You couldn't even lay a finger on me until it was the Father's will. But your time is now. This is your time. Look what Jesus said to Satan after Satan, or excuse me, what he said to Judas after Satan entered into him, after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus said unto him, that that thou doest, do quickly. You have a limited amount of time. 
You have a limited amount of time to do what you're going to do. And I know you're going to betray me. And I know this is what you're going to do. You have limits to what you're going to do. So go quickly. You don't have two hours. You've got an hour. You better get done what you're going to get done. God allowed Satan in this most heinous moment to do what he had to do. Folks, Satan is limited. No more, no less than what God's sovereign hand allows him to do. Yes, people will suffer discrimination. Yes, people are going to be persecuted. Yes, there's hatred and prejudice and bias against Christians all over the world. And yet, God rules in righteousness. God still reigns. In Psalm 96, it says, say among the heathen. David had this amazing proclamation. He said, after all these years, I realize the Lord reigneth through thick, through thin, through up, through down, through the good times and the bad times, the Lord reigneth. Psalm 96, say among the heathen, the Lord reigneth. 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 That's what we're supposed to say. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. When we hit a situation in life, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. I don't know. I don't understand it. I'm not going to try to even explain it, but I know this much. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. I read a testimony this week, and I close with this. The testimony of a man who uh, said how God used this revelation of his sovereignty to just transform him. His testimony was this. He had a perfect life, lovely home, family, solid future. And all of that collapsed when his wife told him that she was leaving him. She loved another man. He was a Christian and he was devastated, tried to cope, tried to do everything he could. But I mean, it just, it just absolutely devastated him. He found himself one day in the, in a church. He went to the church, went actually down to the fellowship hall pretty much all alone, a few lights on, sat there at the table and just couldn't do anything but just bury his face in his hands and just weep. And frankly, the more he wept and the longer he was there, the more he just honestly felt like there was really no reason to continue. I mean, what's, what's the purpose? And he just got deeper and darker. And then he said, all of a sudden, he said, I noticed over there on the wall of this old church, an old faded poster. He said, I looked more closely, and he said, there on that poster was a man. It looked just about like I must have looked. He said it was a man with his face buried in his hands. And, but down in the corner, there was a picture of three crosses. It was a dark sky, but an empty tomb. And I wrote down what it says. He said, beneath the center cross, there were some simple little words, and it said this, I know how you feel. I've been there, but I came out, and you will too. As he was staring at that poster, he realized that God was sovereign, and then somehow God was going to see him through this. He said he just fell to his knees, cried out to God, and said, God, you do reign. You are an awesome God. 
the destiny of this world or all around us saying, oh, we're so afraid of Kim Jong-un and his nuclear weapons. Well, whatever. We're afraid of Iran or we're afraid of what's going to happen when the Muslims come in. We're afraid of this. We're afraid of that. I will tell you, folks, this morning, there is no reason to be stressed or worried. We do what we can, but the fact is the Lord reigns. The Lord is still in charge. The Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. The Lord reigneth. Would you bow your heads with me, please?